and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. Before we get to the show, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. First of all, our website. If you want more information about our little podcast, go to wearethecontrarians.com. That's where you'll find links to our old episodes, to our Patreon channel, and to our awesome Contrarians merch. You can show your support by buying a Contrarians mug or a pillow. I like the laptop bags myself. Second of all, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Or even go a step further and leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcasts. Finally, if you want to reach out directly to us, that's what social media is for. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Contrarian Prime, or check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. Julio runs our official Twitter account at Contrarian Prime, but if you want to give me a piece of your mind or just want to banter about pro wrestling, you can follow me at Contrarian Alex. That's it. That's our intro. Now, time for the show. This is And we are recording for Contrarian's Corner for Vikram. 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 And then it's got the like robot voice. <laughs> As has become customary with these uh, Tamil and Indian films that we cover, it's accompanied by a hell of a banger theme song. It's not quite Singham and it's damn sure not Sori Avanche, but... It's not without its charm, but before we get there, let's get the pleasantries out of the way. Welcome to the Contrarians. I'm Alex. The sultry tones of Peruvian dialect that you just heard is my co-host and friend Julio. We are here today to discuss uh, one of our more recent entries into Contrarians canon, the 2022 uh, Tamil language action thriller film written and directed by Lokesh Lokesh Kanagaranji. I, I had this issue previously covering one of uh, Mr. Lokesh's films. But that was not in the main feed, so the scrutiny okay. was not as... <laughs> as high. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure Lokesh Kanagaraj is close to the pronunciation of his name, and I'm sorry, sir, if I'm butchering it too hard, but Vikram is the film of today requested by one of our wonderful patrons. We'll get to that in just a moment. I actually know we'll get to it now. Brandon Curtis is uh, the patron that brought this to us. And the reason we bring that up right away is because he is slowly but steadily building a back catalog of Tamil uh, Indian films in the contrarians catalog. Single-handedly. He's yes. just because <laughs> we do have uh, wonderful patrons that have been this patron takeover that have been throwing just, all kinds of things at us. And I remember when we started this, we're like, well, Curtis will have a, an Indian film of some sort for us to add to the, the repertoire that he's already established for us. Yeah. He's, he's been a patron for, I don't know, at least a couple of years. Right. And every time it's his turn, either for a quick video review or for a, for a bonus episode on the Patreon channel, like it'll be an Indian movie. And I mean, it's still going. <laughs> There, there hasn't been a break every time the, it's the movie. It, yes, it is. <laughs> but but it's not even like they built on each other, right? Like we, like some of them are sequels or like spinoffs or. They, oh, dude. It, yeah. He's, he's like booking this like a wrestling <laughs> thing, like an angle because, um, no, it's not even that. I can't even make a wrestling analogy here. What he's doing is what does Ben Wyatt say on, um, Parks and Rec. I love soundtracks. It's like a director making a playlist specifically for you. And what Curtis is doing here is building uh, this universe of films that are all kind of intertwined. He's bringing that to us, but also like in different paths because you've watched uh, Master, which I haven't. I've watched Karti, which you haven't. And they kind of intersect with what we're doing here today. So he's definitely put some for uh, some thought into this and he's, he's uh, playing a choose your own adventure with us. <laughs> yes. Uh, and for today's adventure, it's Vikram, the 25th highest grossing film in Indian cinema history. Now this comes at a good time. I think Alex and, and the history of our show, the history of America in a way, <laughs> because 
you know, if we were doing this episode last year, maybe I would have been like, oh man, I I, I don't know that how this is going to land with our mainstream audience. But, yeah. I mean, you were paying attention. Everyone's paying attention. Uh, that movie, RRR, it was a massive hit just all over the the country. It, it was nominated for uh, Best Song. It won. I think it won Best Song <laughs> at, the, at the Oscars. And uh, I know there are people that were campaigning for it to be nominated for Best Picture. And that was, you know... By then, we we were like I don't know seven eight movies deep on this mm-hmm. Indian journey that that uh, Brandon has been throwing our way. So I watched RRR and I was like, oh yeah, I've been watching stuff like this. But I knew that there were a lot of people that this was like the first Indian movie they'd ever seen. So they they were having their minds blown by the musical numbers and the, <laughs> the stylized uh, action sequences and the the epic runtime and all that stuff. It, to me, it was I'm not gonna say I'm an expert, but I'm definitely I feel like we've we've leveled up a little bit. So I feel that now we release an episode on this movie on Vikram, and I think it's a little easier to just make that comparison or to just point to RRR as a reference and tell him like, hey, it's like that movie that was nominated for the Oscars. It's like RRR, mm. except that it's not uh, a period piece. This is uh, an action thriller set in modern times. And RRR did win uh, Best Original Song, just to confirm, because I, you know, I have no fucking idea. So there you go. <laughs> All right, Julio, we're going to be kind of switching up uh, the first half of this, Contrarian's Corner, uh, but before we get to that, let's go ahead and explain what the heck Contrarians Corner is. If this is your first time listening to Contrarians, here on the Contrarians, we like to rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. That is our battle cry. Find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is highly rated, a lot of times accompanied with that uh, beautiful logo, that IP that indicates that it is indeed certified fresh. And what we'll do is bring that movie down to size, discuss some of the overrated or downright uh, just bad aspects of it, be it acting, score, uh, pacing, storytelling, you know, whatever we really can find to sink our teeth into to make our case. Conversely, find a movie on Rotten Tomatoes that is lowly rated about 30% and below, one of those nasty green splotches that they uh, are so proud to deem as bad. It's rotten. Throw it out with the trash. And as you could guess, we'll make a case for that film's positive merit. Like I mentioned, whatever it takes, we will find and make our case. Acting, soundtrack, bold storytelling, cinematography. You'd be surprised. You can find most of the time something to celebrate about a bad movie. Uh, We usually shoot about 30% and below, but being that our patrons say jump and we say how high, we're willing to kind of bend our rules here. I believe that Vikram is in the 50s. I think it was 56% I saw on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm -hmm. It's a green splotch. So Uh for today's purposes, we typically refer to those as a gray area, but we'll be treating this as rotten and celebrating this in the first half. And as I mentioned, we call that Contrarian's Corner. That's part one of an episode. Uh, If listeners want to know how we really feel about the movie we're discussing, in this case, Vikram... Julio, they just need to stick around for the second half, part two. That is correct. Part two of every episode aptly titled Real Talk is where we tell you how we really feel. This is how we experience the movie. We forget about the tomato meter. We forget about the gimmick of the show. This is just Alex and I expressing how we experience Vikram or whatever movie we're covering at the time. It's also where we reveal uh, how the person that assigned the movie to us feels. And Brandon Curtis, he's pretty forthcoming about his thoughts most (laughs) of the time. So I haven't read them yet, but he sent me a couple of like messages that have to do with the movie. So we'll a get tone. there, Alex. Yes. <laughs> uh, we've gotten his his opinions on these movies in, in the past. So I know that they're usually pretty well thought out and, and sometimes wildly different from ours. But that doesn't mean that actually makes the whole thing more interesting. So if you want to know how Brandon feels about Vikram and you want to know how we really feel about Vikram, just stick around for a real talk. But first... Like Alex said, 56%, that qualifies as rotten. So we're going to sing this movie's praises. And I have to say, Alex, I've been checking throughout the year because Brandon submitted this this pick a long time ago. When we first announced the, the patron takeover, we just basically collected all these patron picks and then scheduled them. And the way it worked out, you know, Brandon's came towards the end of this, this big 
cycle. And uh, I want to say that when he first said Vikram, it didn't even have a tomato meter score because it was just, I guess, that recent. And then it slowly has been <laughs> accumulating reviews. It still doesn't have as many reviews as some of the other movies we've done, but uh, who knows? A year from now, <laughs> the, the the scales may tip the other way and you, you may be looking at Vikram at a 60-something percent that, that would make it fresh. Audience score is 95. So our, <laughs> our tomato meter score is comprised of 16 reviews, whereas the 95% audience score is uh, over 100 plus verified ratings. The popular vote. <laughs> So, Julio, out of the 16 reviews, which ones did you pluck? What were critics saying about Vikram? Vikram. Vikram. What were critics saying about Vikram? Well, good things and bad things. We're going to focus on the bad things here on on these quotes. You're going to hear the fresh quotes. Stick around for real talk. But uh, I'm going to start with Carla Hay from Culture Mix who says, at nearly three hours long, Vikram overstays its welcome as it becomes more of a convoluted mess of plot holes and increasingly far-fetched action scenes. The movie's biggest mystery reveal has no real surprises. Um, Increasingly far-fetched action scenes and a convoluted mess of plot holes pretty much describes every installment of the Mission Impossible series. And those are celebrated. Yeah, I was going to say that's just generally every action franchise in America. Yeah, nearly three hours long. I mean, that's I went to see the latest Mission Impossible. I want to say if it's not over three hours, it feels like it's over three hours. And it's just, I've seen Tom Cruise do this plenty of times before. The dude that plays Vikram, first time I've seen him doing anything. <laughs> Next, M. Shuganth from the Times of India says, Once the easy-to-guess mystery around Karnan is cleared, the narrative becomes rather straight-faced. Okay, now this is the second critic, I guess, that alludes to the mystery being kind of obvious, which it wasn't to me. Is this just because we are not familiar with uh, Indian culture? Or, you know, like with the, the the big reveal that happens about halfway through the movie, Alex, did it? blow your mind yeah it was like what no (laughs) but he how easy to guess come on people are too jaded come on man yeah uh and then finally vishal menon from film companion says vikram needs the crutch of a hundred films from before and at least a couple from the future to distract you from the hollowness of the moment that's actually playing on screen already referenced the mission impossible movies now i'm gonna reference uh Something that I kind of love, and that is the MCU. A hundred films from before, at least a couple from the future. That describes any MCU movie that comes out today. And TV shows as well. <laughs> that's that's just modern filmmaking, uh, Vishal. Just get on board. At least this movie doesn't require you to watch, I don't know, 12 episodes of something on Disney+. Plus. It's got it all queued up for you right here. All in one nice little package. Yeah. If you want more, there's more, but you don't have to. I mean, we came in. Okay, you watched. Is it is it a prequel or is it kind of like a whatever you watched that was related to Vikram? It was not a direct prequel, right? Uh, so what I watched is Karti, which is um, it's not a prequel, but it's it's like the MCU. This guy's making a universe. Remember how we watched Story of Anche, and it wasn't necessarily directly tied to Singham or Singham Returns, but they're part of the same universe. Like, they exist right. in the same universe. In fact, there's a scene, there's a character, number one, and a scene in this lifted directly from Karthi. But see, I haven't seen Karthi, and I understood everything. Like, I was fine. Like, I didn't, it mm-hmm. didn't get in the way of me enjoying this movie. You're right. People are too jaded. I guess for reference, Alex, we should at least uh, name the, the stops in our in her Indian journey on Patreon so that non-patrons know what they've missed out on, as we like to say on um, the Patreon pitch. So mm-hmm. uh, we both watched Singham. That was our introduction to this type of Indian cinema. Singham, the mm-hmm. action movie about a super cop. Uh, then you watched Singham Returns for a video review. 
Uh, Banger. Yeah, that's pretty straightforward. That's a sequel to Singham. Uh, I watched Simba, which is also set in the Singham universe, but it's about a different cop. Then the two of us watch Sori Vanshi together, which is also in that universe. And it, it ends the, the third act of that movie is Singham, Simba, and Sori Vanshi coming together against the threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you watch 2.0 for a video review. In that movie, I've heard you talk about it. I watched your QVR and I still have a hard time wrapping my head around what it is. It's psychotic. It's cell phones, right? Yeah. Cell phones are the threat. Um, I kind of lucked out on that one. I Well, Brandon gave you 2.0. He gave me Minal Murali for a video review. And that's a, that's a much easier pitch. That's a, an Indian superhero movie. Costumes and all. And that was that was fun. Uh, there you go. Then we both watched Virata Parvam, mm-hmm. which was unlike everything we'd watched before, because this was more of a romance, kind of based on a true story uh, about this woman that falls for a revolutionary leader. It was, it was quite a change of pace from what we've been doing so far. Uh, and then we got back into the action, because he gave us a uh, master for me for a video review. And Carthy to you. Now, Carthy is the one that apparently is related to the universe that uh, Vikram takes place in, uh, where it's like, Master, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it's part of this universe, Alex, but it is the same filmmaker. Uh, Master was about a teacher that becomes involved in this crime plot. And it was like very action-packed and, and fun. And then kind of like on the side also, thanks to Brandon's recommendation, bringing it to my attention, I also ended up watching uh, the Indian version of Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> that was released. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one, actually, I, I saw it in theaters with Brandon. Uh, it was, uh, I want to say it was his birthday weekend. Or, or it went up, but he, he told me, hey, it's playing. And we went and so on. Had a grand old time. If you're curious about that, I also like mentioned it in an after hours. Um, so that is, by my count, Alex, 10 titles that have been swirling around God. the Contrarians universe. <laughs> so, so we, I mean... This is not our first Indian rodeo. I, I guess that's, that's what this establishes. Oh, yeah. So as we do regularly, we're going to visit our friends at Wikipedia to kind of help plug in some of the, the not plot holes, but holes in our discussion of plot. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Brandon Curtis did it because someone provided a very detailed plot synopsis of this. Sometimes in movies we do, the plot synopsis is a paragraph. This is, we got... One, two, three, four, five, six. What is that? Yeah, six paragraphs here, breaking down every bit of the movie. So, wouldn't be surprised if in the uh, references section, it's links directly to Brandon Curtis's blog. But <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. This movie has what three, four different openings before you even get to the title screen, right? It's. I think it's two minutes and thirty seconds before something actually happens. It's just going through studio signatures and like explaining who did this and also letting us know that there's a a special appearance by Surya which doesn't come until the very end <laughs> so they you know Surya and you could have just left that out but I guess that was enticing I I had to rewind it because I thought it said surprise appearance by Surya and I was like doesn't that kill the surprise <laughs> but it actually just says special <laughs> I mean, to be fair, by the time you get to it, it's a surprise because you've already forgotten <laughs> that they announced oh, yes. it three hours ago. Uh, I'm assuming that that's uh, Rolex. Yes, Rolex. Okay. Best bad guy name ever. And they saved it. Beautiful, for beautiful set of eyes on that man. <laughs> All right. So after busting the consignment of... Adai Kalam and Anbu by Inspector Bejoy three months earlier, police chief Jose summons Amar and his black ops team to bring to justice a group of masked vigilantes responsible for the deaths of Stefan Raj following his arrest and subsequent release after being busted for helping Abdai Kamal and Anbu. ACP Prabhanjan and his foster father Karnan. Amar leads the investigation by digging into Karnan's life as his murder seems out of place because Karnan was an ordinary man while the other two were higher officials in the NCB. Uh, As with these Indian films, these action epics that we've done so far, no breaks just right away. (laughs) It's basically a car that's in park that's just being floored and then someone 
switches the gear into drive and away we go. There's um, an execution here. And in the beginning, I don't know about you, the guy they killed in the very beginning, Karnan, I was, I was watching this. And I was like, that's the guy from the poster. He's not yep. going to die here. And then they kill him. Like <laughs> they stab him and rip up his chest and then throw a grenade and blow him up. That's the that's the beauty of us not really being part of the, the core audience for these movies, right? Because we don't know. We're like, oh, maybe that's just how they do it. Like if you, uh, I said I was going to stop bringing up Mission Impossible. I need to come up with a different franchise now. Uh, Bond, born bond or born right like it's like you see matt damon on the poster and then they kill matt damon in the first five minutes we're like oh no he's coming back but here i don't know this guy i i you know for all i know that's just that's just how they do it in india <laughs> the, the the big switcheroo they just put his face on the poster and that's it but also honestly what i thought was that it was one of those cases of uh misleading thumbnails on the streaming platform Yes. You've seen like sometimes Netflix will be, uh, I don't know why, I don't know how they do it, but they just decide to put like really obscure character posters under selections. You know, you'll you'll go to Netflix or Disney Plus, I guess, and then you select Iron Man, but the, the thumbnail is John Favreau. And it's like, what? <laughs> so I thought that maybe that was the case. Uh, as the movie went on, like the first 30 minutes or so, then it started clicking because we keep getting flashbacks to this guy's life. As, as you know, his death, his murder is investigated. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he died at the beginning, but throughout the entire movie, he's going to be present because they're going to keep investigating his life, his past life. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see scenes that reveal who he was. And uh, I was like, all right, I guess that, that's a way to do it. You know, and uh, the biggest mystery that just stuck with me until the halfway point <laughs> when it made sense was uh, who's Vikram? What's Vikram? <laughs> It's like the poster had his face and it said Vikram, but it's like, is that his name? Because they, they're calling him something else. Or is Vikram a title? Or is Vikram the, the drug? title track? Vikram. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so did you recognize anybody from the previous movie that you'd watch when you were when we were hit with all these characters at the beginning? Not at this point, no. Okay. Because we we have, you know, the guy that dies that's on the poster. We have the the Black Ops team that's brought to investigate his murder. Um, the mysterious uh, masked man, one of the, the ringleader does, you know, not just trying to make the quickest comparison. It's a bit of a Bane voice. But they acknowledge it. They're like, he's using a voice modulator. I was like, okay, I'm glad that we've <laughs> established that's not his real voice. Uh, so yeah, we have those ninjas, the masked ninjas, and then you have the, the drug lord that is, I guess, also a big player in that city. He, th- there's a lot of things going on with that character, but the the, the thing that stuck with me the most is that he has these uh, power gummies, you know, like these green gummies that he'll put in his mouth and then they kind of like give him a boost. Oh, you're referring to uh, Sandhanam, the dude who has like the aviators and the first shot we get of him is he shoots a cop in the head. So we know he's a bad guy. <laughs> yes. We know he's a badass. He He chews on a gummy, kills the cop and then survives a car crash. He's the leader of like, uh, yeah, he's a drug lord and also the leader of a gang in, uh, is it Shania, I think they, they say it's in. But uh, Gummies is an eloquent way of putting it. I thought it was just straight up meth he was eating that like gave him it. It, it certainly has the spinach effect on Popeye for him, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. That's why it's green. Maybe, maybe it is spinach. Uh, he has three wives, which now it makes sense that he has to like be popping gummies the entire time just to keep up with three wives he has a whole like mansion full of people that uh i guess he uh he is manufacturing that drug right like there's a special drug that they refer to through the entire movie that is not cocaine but it's like cocaine right and like if you it's interesting they're trying to uh and we find that he's basically a a lackey for rolex who we mentioned you find the very end of the movie um they're moving like this compound that isn't quite cocaine, but you can concentrate it down to where it becomes cocaine. I believe if I understood what they were explaining correctly. So it's like budget uh, cocaine. Yeah. Or if you just do enough of it, it gets you fucked up. But um, <laughs> it was like this chemical that could pass through some tests, but then they can, through a lab, turn it into cocaine, you know, put the 
magic liquid on it and it turns you know it's a one of those five dollar dinosaurs you buy and you put it underwater and it grows 10 times bigger <laughs> and then you sell it yes 10 times the profit uh so so there's a lot going on like to put it mildly you have the drug dealers you have the the black ops you have the mystery of the murder you have the ninjas and then there is a a, a love story that kind of runs through most of the movie it we've watched about 10 movies that are kind of like this and, and this might have been the most jam-packed of them all yeah there's a lot going on here and um we kind of already talked about our villain send hanman who at one point he slams a guy through a stage like taz did to bam bam bigelow and um i'm just happy to see movies still exist where our bad guy is so obviously the bad guy <laughs> It's not like a shade of gray type thing. He's not stealing a loaf of bread to feed his family. He's the psychopath that hoards people in his home and calls them his siblings. He has gold teeth. He deals drugs. He shoots cops. It's like, we, you know, it's a, it's a bad guy from the 80s. We understand that this is the bad guy. Now, it, it, no- <laughs> two and a half hours later, he does get one moment where he seems pretty heartbroken when one of his dudes dies in the house. When they blow his up the brother, house. His brother... They say it's his brother, but he's got like 90 people in that house. So who's to say what the real relation is? But uh, so we've commented on the bad guy, our protagonist here. I mean, Karnan Vikram is our obviously our titular character. But I would say the protagonist, at least for the first two hours of this movie, is uh, Amar, the leader of the Black Ops squad that's trying to figure this case out. Seems like a nice enough guy. He has an almost offensively subservient wife that, uh, or girlfriend rather that refuses to ask him what he does for work, which is if you don't know what your partner does for work and they tell you not to ask, I don't know if there are many bigger red flags than maybe showing up <laughs> to the first date wearing a wedding band. Do you think that this movie is just exposing how uh, brainwashed we are, that we, we have to instantly suspect or, or, or look down on this type of trust. I was, after a while, I realized he, this dude, like he misses his own wedding. He's just so caught up on the investigation that he shows up late. He, he was supposed to be getting married at 7.30 and he shows up like at 10 o'clock. And she just tells him, look, I trust you. You knew that this was important, so if you are this late, it must have been, there must have been something that was even more important. So I, I trust you, and it just hit me. I was like, that that is we we should all trust our partners that much. We should all have somebody that <laughs> trusts us that much. My my note says marry this woman right now, and he does. He says, hey, I know everybody's gone, but how about we just we grab a priest and and we get married at least in front of my my black ops buddies. And, and, that's and then we get, we, a, we get two medium pizzas delivered for a group of, you know, 10 people. It's adorable. It's it's the most joyous moment in the movie. And it's just these people. I think we're like an hour in when this happens. And I was having fun with the with the shootouts and the investigation and the fast pace of everything that was happening. But really, when they get married and there's just this, I don't know, five minutes of camaraderie where it's just him and his his co-workers and this woman that they're meeting for the first time, but they're all having fun. Uh, that's when I felt like I was connecting to it on, on a, on a human level. Right. I was like, Oh, I, you can relate to this, you know? And then he takes her to like his lair where he has all his, <laughs> his clues and like newspaper clippings and just savages her there. And then she's like, you know, recovering in bed, like, Oh man, I'm getting too close to your work. I don't want to know what you do. <laughs> they, they have, they have amazing newlywed sex underneath the photos of all the murder victims <laughs> the case that he's been working <laughs> Amar learns about Karnan's recent addiction to alcohol, drugs, and prostitutes and that he is very protective of his infant foster grandson Amar also finds out about two missing containers of narcotics Sandhanman, who runs a much bigger drug syndicate than Adai Kalam, named Veti Vagayara, 
is searching for the containers. His cold-blooded smuggler boss, Rolex, whose identity is unknown, was meant to receive the containers. Furthermore, Amar learns that Rolex would help Sandhaman form his government if the drugs get delivered. Otherwise, Rolex will kill Sandhanman and his family. Amar slowly figures out that all of Karnan's addictions are a ruse to cover up a highly covert operation he is running. So, one, they do treat weed like on par with cocaine here. And uh, it was one of those things of it's weird everywhere. You know, Japan, huge no-no. And I was reading that there are different territories or states that have their own laws that regulate the consumption, possession, sale, or purchase of marijuana. But in general, in India, possession of weed is a criminal act and can get you in serious legal trouble because they act kind of appalled. Whereas here, I mean, you know, see Texas, I think we talked about this recently. There, there's strains of CBD. I can just go two blocks up from my house and buy a, a pre-roll or some edibles that will get me high. There's a couple there that I've tried that fucking floor me, but th- that's that's completely legal. Like, it's not... That's fine. There's regulating bodies and shit in Texas that have said, yeah, you can sell that because there's only... You know, it's derived from CBD. It's not THC. The point I'm getting at here there's is... Not a, what there, you're saying is there's not a big dude with a gold tooth just masterminding the operation that gets you your CBD gummies. There's not that. It's a really, really sweet petite girl that works there or this <laughs> kind of burly fellow who loves the Bills and we talk about football when I go there. But also, having just been in Chicago recently, people just smoke weed weed on the streets and don't give a fucking hoot. I just it's kind of funny to watch things that are and in modern. It's this came out last year and hear someone say he smoked marijuana and people are like <gasps> you know, it's kind of uh I'm sure there's churches you could go to that in america that would get that response but here it's just been so eye-opening right just yeah yeah it's like there's a world outside of america with its own customs oh my god <laughs> people take that shit pretty seriously depending on where you go and in this case people were aghast that one carnan was smoking weed and then two that his boys were covering up for him they were like you know how dare you sir uh, to be fair, he was also drinking heavily while at the gym, which uh, talk about red flags. That is probably <laughs> the biggest one. We get several montages of him being a lush, and then this song that's like, "I drink Jack Daniels, <laughs> I drink Jägermeister, I'm so wasted," <laughs> and we see him in like the gym getting drunk and working out. Which is that's that's honestly beast behavior, if uh, you know, <laughs> if I may say so. But we see that, and we see him like drunk driving, and which is obviously never good. Well, we see him drunk fighting, which is, I guess, it should have been our first clue that, that he was there was more than meets the eye there. That this lush was able to like beat the shit out of four different muscle men at the gym, you yep. know, very tactically. But also, you mentioned the song, and that reminds me that really one of the four different openings that this movie has is is a musical number that has him at the center, right? That's him singing and and doing the, the little dance with his ensemble. Oh yeah, I forgot that's at the very beginning. We do, yeah, because this movie isn't like a singum or uh, you know a couple of the others we've done where there's sprinkled musical numbers. We just get the one at the beginning. You're right. We completely breeze past that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple other musical moments, but they're not numbers, right? Like there's that when he's when they show him taking care of the baby of the of his grandson. There's a moment where it's just him taking care of the kid while a song plays in the background, and uh, I was like, all right, I mean, I can I can roll with that. Speaking of the baby, though, how great is that that setup that they have? Where I don't know if this is a real condition. I just know it was real in the movie that the kid. He has like a a problem with his heart, so he can't tolerate to uh, loud a noises. Rare epil- yeah, a rare epilepsy disorder that like if something's too loud, noises will potentially like stop his heart is basically what the, the gist of it is. Yep. So every time you have that baby in, in a scene, then you know that it's there's that element of suspense. Like, please, nobody drop anything. 
<laughs> and he has the, the special headphones they put over his head just to, to protect him. And there's a later on in the movie, there's a couple action scenes where it's just like that's the fun of it that this kid everything has to be very quiet. Uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty ingenious because they introduced that you know early in the movie, but it doesn't really pay off until much much later. When he visits the uh, brothel to get more information from the prostitute he used to visit, uh, it's the hardest I laughed in the whole movie of the headmistress. You know, he kind of explains what he's doing there and who he wants to see. And she's like, okay. And before she can see him, though, she needs him to pay like $200. And so it shows her scanning his credit card in like a mobile scanner. And then she gives a credit card back. Uh, and but like still holding out the scanner. Did you notice this? And she does like she's waiting for him to enter his tip for her in. Uh, it's she just goes, plus. Plus, yeah, that, that's it. <laughs> but also, two hundred rupees. I don't know what that translates to in American. But I'll tell you this: you ain't getting two hours of the <laughs> prostitute for two hundred dollars in America, man. <laughs> that's like ten minutes. Okay. I, I'm glad that we are breaching this subject because I was like, I'm going to sound like a dumbass if that's just the, the going rate. I, I just, I don't know. You know, it's like, I haven't even been to a strip club in over a decade. So I really don't know. Uh, it did seem like that was, like that didn't match up, but it is a completely different country. So, and when she, honestly, this is the saddest part. When she goes like, oh yeah, you know, this is how much she paid for two hours. My my thought was like that dude could go for two hours like that's because <laughs> you know they depict him by as... two hours be seven to thirteen minutes of very tender loving and then just cuddling for the remainder of the time. But he didn't look like a cuddler. <laughs> oh no, or me just like naked with a cigarette explaining like what work the Bengals offensive and defensive line needs to do. <laughs> <laughs> just hold me <laughs> Joe Burrow's calf still hurt hold me please uh, I think that once the big reveal happens and you find out that Carnan uh, is Vikram who is just the, the, I don't know the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger in India or what is mm. he I mean at this point let's let's just let's address this well, what Singham's the top dog, like it oh, seems. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe Vikram's like the John McClane, you know? Okay. So, so like the Bruce Willis of uh, yeah, Indian cinema. There you go. Uh, no, man, Bruce Willis is too too like regular guy. This this guy seems more uh, like the archetype of uh, black ops kind of guy. So it's more like uh, Charles Bronson, maybe. <laughs> all right we can do that uh, but anyway when you find out that that's really who he is then it makes sense oh yeah two hours i mean he could have probably gone four hours at this brothel and <laughs> not break a sweat but when they first sell him to you as this drunk drug addled uh grieving father you're like oh man what what is he doing for two hours in the brothel and then you slowly find out that there was there was a lot more going on there he's a uh, Skipping out the window and just kind of like chilling out there, monitoring. Yeah, as you mentioned, these would-be addictions are just a cover-up for this operation he's running because he finds like a tracker. Uh, he, being Amar, finds a tracker out of the windowsill, and basically that Karnan has been as covertly as possible communicating with a team of people. And the thing of him smoking weed is he's under this tree at a golf course. And when he's over there, no one will go near him because he's smoking. But that one particular spot, like, has no traceable signal there. You know, tale as old as time, honestly. <laughs> Meanwhile, Vera Pandian, a PWD officer and a contractor named Ruda Partap, plan to bring the drug containers to Sandahaman. However, the masked vigilantes arrive and kill Virapandian at a theater. Amar and his team capture one of the vigilantes revealed to be Bajoy. Bajoy reveals his family was killed for his role in leading the earlier drug bust, leading him to join the vigilantes. 
Amar and his team realized Ruta Parthup uh, is the next target, and they sneak into Ruta Parthup's daughter's wedding ceremony. Parthup invites Sandhanman for protection. However, the masked men, along with their leader, arrive at the wedding and threaten him. The leaders drag Parthup and escape on bike, leaving the other members to deal with Sandhanman. But Sandhanman defeats him. This is the Heat Wave 98 spot I mentioned. After he <laughs> crunches that meth in his mouth, he slams one of them through the, the entranceway. Uh, that clip is everywhere. Just search Bam Bam Bigelow, Taz, Heat Wave 98. They do this thing where they crash the entranceway. That's fairly revolutionary for the time. Um, Here's another dance number, actually, Alex. I just realized. Yes. It's, it's brief. It, it's interrupted by violence. But for about, I don't know, two minutes, we get the entire bridal party <laughs> dancing. Well, this is interspersed with the fellows that are preparing the feast for uh, the wedding ceremony. This is a group of gentlemen from the Village Cooking Channel, which is an Indian YouTube channel and is very popular. They have nearly 20 million subscribers. And I could tell just by the way, like they come on the screen completely different than everything else. I'm like, I think these are people we're supposed to know who they are. And obviously, if we saw this movie and it's native land, we definitely would have understood the reference here it's like um it's like when joe rogan shows up in a movie oh it's about god <laughs> i was gonna say neil diamond and saving silverman you know if you showed showed that in india they'd be like who the fuck is this guy but uh one of the dudes uses an absolutely psychotic amount of bay leaf in the stew that he's making like i understand he's got this giant pot and you know like a pot of chili that would serve 10 people you use two bay leaves in that this dude uses like three quarters pound it's like what are you doing dude this is gonna be all baileys <laughs> there's a lot of people at that wedding Alex. there is uh i also personally dig the way they consume food like I, i'm all for having a three-course meal but also like just kind of putting on a plate and going to town you know everything kind of mixed together making a stew out of it all i, I dig that yeah just just keep bringing it Keep making the food. It, it feels like that was like a, a never-ending operation. Exactly. And what if one of those dudes was just making garlic naan? I would have been there all night. <laughs> I'd been. I would have been watching these dudes fight and just been like, "Yeah, kick his ass!" Like, pounding <laughs> garlic naan over there. I think they said mutton was the meat they used. Yeah, oh, that would have been heavenly. <laughs> uh, but this is this is one of the biggest set pieces. Uh, it, it's. Uh, this was really where I, I felt like everything was coming together, right? All, all our characters are there. The conclusion of this is where I would have guessed the intermission part was in the theaters. Yes. I kept waiting for the intermission because some, some of these actually have intermissions. And I was like, yeah, yeah. He's going to take his mask off and then we're going to go to <laughs> the 10 minute countdown. Uh, not the case. Oh, yeah. And one thing that's important to call out real quick here is Bajoy is a character actor and name from Karti and it's bringing his story from that movie over to this. There's even at one point he's having a flashback to a scene from Karti that I, I knew immediately it was from that. And I said out loud, huh? Cause I didn't realize at that point in time that this was the same director and part of that universe, but I recognized the actor and I was like, Oh, what a crazy coincidence. But anyway, <laughs> Oh man, did you, did you point at the screen? Did you get up? Did you, uh, do you have to pause and just soak it in? Uh, the No one was home. It was just Nori. So I was like, Nori, that's the chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, th- this is a big set piece. A lot of stuff happens, right? The Black Ops guys are there undercover at this wedding. The The big gummy uh, drug lord is there, as, I guess, as security. Um, the ninjas show up. And then at the end of this massive set piece that includes a car chase and and a lot of people dying and then the wrestling recreation that you were mentioning. <laughs> at the very end, we get the big reveal. Oh, oh, oh. And, and it's intercut with uh, Amar's wife, because by now they're married. Amar's wife, and uh, she makes the discovery by accident. She figures out that Finkel is Einhorn. Yes. <laughs> she, she figures out the, the identity, and then we figure it out, because... The leader of the ninjas, of the mask killers, takes his mask off, and it is the guy from the poster, Karnan slash Vikram. Vikram? <laughs> yes. I forgot to mention uh, Send Hanman, his like right-hand man as far as killing and violence and 
fighting goes is this kind of diminutive fellow whose weapon of choice are bolt cutters and he fucking cuts out dudes Achilles tendons. Maybe that's what happened to Aaron Rodgers, but (laughs) he, uh, the only reason I bring him up is because I started laughing out loud when I figured out who I thought he looked like. He looks like Dylan Danis, who's this fighter. And I'm doing air quotes when I say that he's Logan Paul's next opponent. And he's just a massive troll and an idiot. So there's probably two, maybe three people listening to this who know what I'm talking about. And if you ever watch Vikram, you will know immediately who I'm referring to because he does look just like Dylan Danis. Are you uh, saying Logan Paul needs to uh, watch Spec, take care of his Logan Achilles? Paul, yeah, protect his Achilles. He'll be all right. Well, Dylan Danis drops out of every fight he signs for, so I, I, I think Logan's going to be all right. <laughs> Amar chases the leader down who reveals himself to be Karnan, having faked his own death. Karnan kills Rudab Parthap by slitting his throat and escapes the police, Amar discloses to Jose that Karnan is actually Vikram, the former commander of the Black Ops Squad pilot batch of 1986. I have in my notes here, in all caps, EXPOSITION, because there is a lot. It's animated, Alex. Or at least part of it It is. After a botched mission, the government hunted and brutally killed all squad members and their families. Only Vikram and three other team members survived. Amar also figures that Jose is Sanhaman's mole in the department and is involved in Prabhanjan's death. Amar orchestrates a bomb blast at Sanhaman's house, which destroys his bungalow and drug lab. Jose informs Sanhaman in the nick of time, and everyone except Sanhaman's brother, Ilago, is evacuated from the blast site in time. Jose reveals Vikram and Amar's identities to Sanhaman. So now, now we're cooking. With gas. <laughs> With gas. Poor fellow died on the toilet, man. Pretty memorable. Yeah. Sun Amin is immediately like, no one touched anything. Any, anything could be a bomb. <laughs> and this one guy, you know, taking a shit and just flushes. And that was the last thing he did. I did laugh because it looked like uh, there's an old skit from Chappelle's show where he'd, he blasts himself off the toilet while he's taking a dump. And it looked kind of like that when he got blown <laughs> off of it. So I had a, had a good chortle. Um, uh, well, this is the moment that humanizes uh the bad guy for like a little bit right because he right uh, shortly before we get there though we do get another really good comedy scene of amar and jose the police chief arguing uh when everyone you know amar's team and then all of the other cops are waiting outside this elevator and they're arguing back and forth and they take turns shutting the door so people can't hear them arguing do you know what i'm talking about Oh yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's great. This is I, I think that out of all the Indian movies we watched so far, this is the one that modulates its comedy the best. Because there's you know we've had issues with like even going as far as back as like Singham and, and Simba, where there are these action movies that were action packed and sometimes really serious, and then there'll be sequences that were really silly with the comedy. And I never felt that this movie got there. It was always the comedy was always in tone with the rest of the movie and not over the top. Like it was actually fairly like the scene that you're talking about, right? Like it's just funny because they're having a very serious conversation, but they keep pushing the button to close the doors, <laughs> the, the elevator doors, to, you know, trying to, to have a private moment. And it's, it's funny. It moves the plot along. It doesn't feel like it's out of place. It, and it's, there's stuff like that. Like every time that there's a shenanigans involving the, the little kid that can't, hear loud sounds like there's an element of comedy there that doesn't break the tension i I think it's just really well modulated so no i i agree this is uh that's one of the best one of the funniest moments and uh and it's also really cool because it really it's in the middle of a turning point in the movie it's when uh amar and his team basically quit right they Mm -hmm. they're like all right you want us to figure out who the the masked man was and we did and now we don't want anything to do with it and, uh, and eventually we find out it's because they amar admires vikram admires the fact that they were uh, uh, the way they explain it which i thought was pretty cool is that they were the first black ops team they, were, they call it the pilot black ops and uh eventually the they gave way to a modern black ops team which is the one that amar is leading so you know there were Vikram is in a way the direct predecessor to Amar and that that there's a connection there so all that stuff is really cool like I I, I was 
I wasn't going to say surprised. I was I was very pleased that they managed to take all these elements that they'd set up for an hour and a half and then bring them together into uh, this kind of different movie now on the, on the second half. Because now everybody has been rearranged, right? The chief of police has been revealed to be a traitor that's in cahoots with the drug dealer. And uh, Amar has gone from hunting Vikram to now becoming kind of his ally. And, well, and uh, also Jose, the, the police chief, uh, Prabhanjan's death, he was killed by Santanman, and they were basically just trying to interrogate him for information. And when he killed him, that's when Jose... I guess Jose, the police chief, started the masked men movement, despite the fact that Karnan became one because he films himself as a masked man mm-hmm. saying, you know, distort my voice and we'll just blame it on terrorists. Um, I mean, if one tried to think too hard about it, they'd go cross-eyed. And I think that's why we're doing this the way we're doing it. <laughs> Vikram arrives at the prison and frees Bejoy and his team. Vikram reveals that the Reason for his actions is not vengeance over Prabhahanjan's death, but a mission to bust the drug syndicate in the city. He also admits that Prabhahanjan is his own biological son. Santanman murders Amar's wife, Gayatarti, and sends his men to attack and kill Vikram's daughter-in-law and grandson at Prabhahanjan's house. Vikram rushes to save them, but the gang kills a team member of Vikram's black ops squad, an associate agent, Tina, who is disguised as the house help, Valiyama. Vikram and his grandson reach Chennai port, where the hidden containers are stored. Sanhanman learns of the container's location and attacks Vikram. Vikram mows down Sanhanman's men with a cannon and an M2 Browning, but the remaining members of his black ops squad, Upalipan and Lawrence, die in the scuffle. After a fist fight, Vikram triggers a huge blast at the port, which kills Sanhaman and destroys the drug containers. Any of those names I mispronounced, I am sorry. I'm trying my best here. <laughs> well, it's like good guys, bad guys. And, and I think that we that's the main thing. The good guys win. <laughs> Except the wife. She gets her fucking head cut off. She doesn't just get murdered. Amar shows up, sees her car and looks inside and her decapitated corpse is in there. I was not expecting that. <laughs> that that literally made me stand up because I thought that we were going to get the implication, right? Like the, just a close up of his face in horror as he sees whatever has happened to his wife. What's uh, the director here? Lokesh Kanagaraj. He watched Seven and he said, coward. He said, <laughs> watch what I can do. He said, David Fincher's a fucking pussy. <laughs> And it's not tasteless either, because it's not uh, like he really gets in there with the camera. It's kind of a, a, a wide shot, but you you see enough to be horrified. You, you do see a headless body. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> just uh, very realistic. It's just, but it's not fancy, right? It's not the, the camera going through the gunshot wound in uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, where it's just like, oh, look, look at how clever we are. No, this is just like a static shot, and it's just horrible. And and it kind of breaks him for a while, and it's it's great. Like then he becomes a masked man, right? Like, he, he becomes a ninja. He <laughs> remains one for the duration of the movie, and potentially the next one. I mean, that is very satisfying when he goes after uh, Jose, right? That's the name of the police chief. Yeah, and they have their scuffle, and it's it's just cool. It's like a guy avenging his dead wife. That's that's cool. Uh, Argentina, amazing. I figured there was something up with that with that uh, housemaid because earlier in the movie they showed that she has really good reflexes. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought, okay, maybe she's just she's just used to catching things before they fall because she's being around this baby that needs to be protected that way. But no, it turns out that she's a she's a spy. She's a, a special agent as well, and uh, she gets her title card. How, how cool was that? That every time they reveal a new uh, a new member of Vikram's team, they get their little title card listing their titles and what their specialty is and vikram came last like a vikram got like the arcade game start screen <laughs> or like you know the the demo screen when you haven't put the quarter in yet you just kind of see uh-huh. what the game's about because it's him firing a gun and then slowly like the the name vikram flashes behind him at like contra style it was fantastic so 
Vikram gets the baby. He forgets the bottle, though, because the baby's having a hard time. And he kind of like, you know, hit, hits himself in the head like, oh, you idiot. How could you forget that? And we mentioned, you know, where we go and how the battle escalates. His buddy Lawrence, goddamn, is getting shot in the legs, but just keeps carrying the baby. They're trying to keep it quiet for him. Uh, but there is too much noise. And the baby passes temporarily. But Amar is able to bring it back to life while being like talked through it by a customer service rep at the hospital. It's just like, all right, now do this, do this. <laughs> it's it's pretty intense because it cuts from him giving the baby CPR to Vikram manning this massive old school cannon, just <laughs> yes. shooting like literal <laughs> cannonballs at the bad guys. But it comes down the final showdown between Vikram and Sanhanman. <laughs> I, I did laugh out loud. The the first punch of it, Vikram hits him and Sandhaman goes flying. And I don't mean like, you know, animated Hulk Hogan pro wrestling style. Like he literally flies into the ceiling and, you know, <laughs> theoretically cracks his skull, breaks his shoulder, et cetera, et cetera. And then he hits him again and he knocks his gold teeth out. And we kind of get the, um, what would that be? Like a matrix shot of everything slows down, but then the, the gold teeth go into focus and fly by. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like, of course, the two stages, right? Like this is the first, the, the boss battle where you have to get him down to a certain point and then he takes yes. the gummy yeah. and then <laughs> bulks up again. He crunches uh, that meth in his mouth and it's go time, baby. Man, they hit all the all the important beats because then, of course, the bad guy gets the upper hand. He has Vikram on the ropes and then Amar comes in for the save, but not the way that you would think. You would think that Amar would jump into the fight and assist but no instead he just shows up kind of like on the corner with the baby to inspire Vikram to get his second win and then once Vikram is back he kind of gives that gesture of like okay you can go now I got season, this season 3 of Eastbound at the Merman's game when Stevie holds up Kenny's baby and Kenny sees him and <laughs> shakes his head so anyway yeah uh, he beats him down he cuffs him uh, chains him chains him down he's basically immobile and then Sandhaman tells his men to operate Code Red and start blowing the whole place up. But Vikram's able to escape. But we don't know that until the very end. I mean, the movie wants you to believe that this is it. That Vikram is just going down with the ship, right? He's he's going to blow up along with the bad guy. Just making sure that the job gets done. The autopilot's out. He has to drive the bomb out over Gotham Harbor. <laughs> yes. Except this movie has the balls not to be ambiguous about it, because <laughs> Vikram does show up again. Uh, it is it is a kind of a an all encompassing ending. Because so the good guys win. The we get a shot of the daughter in law, like the baby's mom, right at the airport. She goes to America, <laughs> and uh, man, it is a Dark Knight Rises moment. You just made me think of that because the. The mom and the she's having dinner somewhere at a restaurant. The uh-huh. baby's there. The baby looks across to a different table, and Vikram is there. And Vikram gives it the nod, and the baby waves at him. And then the mom turns to see who he's waving at, and Vikram is gone. And so you're thinking, was he really ever there? Or was it just the baby imagining his grandfather? But then five minutes later, the movie's like, no, he, he was there. <laughs> he is alive. The movie ends with the reveal of Rolex, the the kingpin of all this, played by Syria, who, as mentioned, gets his own credit in the beginning, a special appearance by. Uh, the main thing is when he's rolling up, one of the guys, the guy he wipes the, this dude cuts this guy's head off just for a laugh. The guy he walks up to with the cleaver and wipes the blood off on his shirt. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. That guy is like the second from Karthi. So I was like, oh, shit, it's that guy. So this is when I kind of realized the what the direction is going to be because it's the the two number twos they're explaining to <laughs> Rolex what happened in the movie Vikram and what happened in the movie Karthi. And <laughs> he's like, all right, so now we got to get Amar, Dilly, and Vikram. And so obviously part three is going to have all of this come to a head. So this um, is the first time you've seen Rolex or did he show up in uh, Carthy? 
I I would like to think that you would remember because this guy, as, as great as Vikram was, the movie, this guy Rolex is the most memorable part of it. His performance, his his face. Yeah, I had to go back and look back over just to be sure because I've all just watched it the once. Uh, and yeah, no, he doesn't show up in that. I believe he's mentioned, but he doesn't actually show up. Yeah, and he wouldn't be because that's the whole scene builds to the reveal here. And he, boy, does he chew up the scenery. He devours right? it like that mutton. <laughs> he takes a bite and he says there's too much bay leaf in this, but I'm going to eat it all anyway. He has a, uh, what's his weapon? What, what is that that he has? Is that a machete? It's like a, meat, a meat cleaver. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like a hybrid machete meat cleaver. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. He does. He's in the movie only for like maybe five minutes, but uh, they were right. It is a special appearance. It's very special. It just makes a mark. And then the big reveal, because he, he ends up by saying uh, he's declaring war on Vikram. Whoever gets me Vikram gets like, I don't know how much money. And then the big reveal is that Vikram was right there. <laughs> he was among all the people listening to this guy. He didn't bother to ask, does anyone know what this fucker looks like? <laughs> It's uh, it's pretty exciting. It was, it was awesome. It, honestly, I mean, I know that there'll be another movie and it'll make a lot of money and everything. But if it ended here, I would still think it was satisfying. Agreed. Which is the real trick, right? Like you have to set up a new movie, but also give your movie a satisfying ending. And I think that that image of Vikram confidently walking in the middle of all these enemies tells you everything. They're like he's gonna be okay. He's gonna take down this guy. And that's Vikram. Vikram. That was a lot, but it is a three-hour movie, and it's just it it uses every minute of its runtime. Um, are you ready for real talk, Alex? Uh, I most certainly am. Let's go. <laughs> Nice.